questions. Okay, here we go. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, getting together another wonderful week has gone by, believe it or not. Scary how quickly the weeks are going by. Flip, 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 flip the seasons of the year, right? Summer, fall, winter, spring, summer, fall, winter, spring. Oh, what's going on over here? Short week, Shavuos. Shavuos, right? A short week because of Shavuos. And, uh, yeah, I think even with that Shavuos, the weeks have just been running by. But either way, we can't dwell too much on matters such as these. we got to get into the Parsha. Uh, and uh, get into the Parsha, we shall. Parsha's Nosoi. Parsha's Nosoi. Uh, big Parsha. Very fat Parsha. Biggest, biggest, biggest Parsha of all the Parshas out there. And we're going to try to dwell this week on uh, two topics that are coming back to back in the parsha. One, Chazal actually make a point of uh, of speaking out to us that there's significance in the fact that it's juxtaposed with the other one. We're going to try to touch on both of them. Try to touch on both of them over here. And that's the parsha of Saita and the parsha of Nazir. The Saita, that means the, the wayward wife, the unfaithful wife, the whole parsha of the Saita, what they do, they bring it to the base of Mikdash, the whole procedure, the process with its awful, gory finish, she ends up being guilty. And the Nazir, the Nazirite. The Nazir who accepts upon himself the Nazir rules and Nazir laws and everything that, that uh, is related to that. So that's what we're going to try to talk about both of those tonight. And uh, I think we're going to go in the order that the Torah presents it. Let's start with Saita and move from Saita to Nazir. So Saita, the discussion of, again... The, the the drifting Saita literally means she's drifted, been unfaithful, a wayward wife is dealt with in this week's parsha, and there's a whole process over here, a whole process and a whole program, and it involves first getting her declared a Saita, which is in the beginning of the parsha, which is a, a husband who uh, has suspicions about the, the fidelity of his wife, gives her a certain, gives her kino, he gives her stira, he warns her, and we have witnesses that, that he warns her, don't seclude yourself with such and such a person. We have witnesses that catch her being secluded. We don't know what really happened. Nobody knows what's going on over here behind closed doors. And that's where the Parsha Saita comes in. We have a way of determining her fidelity in the Beis HaMikdash. That's the Saita process. And she comes to the Beis HaMikdash, she has to bring a special korban. It's a it's a meal offering. We don't uh, beautify it. We don't go out of our way to enhance it. There's no oil, no special uh, um, incense is added. She has to bring this korban, and of course the the uh, well known, you know, kind of kind of uh, not the climax of the whole process. That's that's at the end, but the well known unusual um, action that we take is we take a, a, a uh, letters, we write up a scroll that has God's name written in, in it, and we uh, make her take an oath of, of innocence. We take the scroll, we take the ink that has God's name on it, and we scrape off God's name into the water. She drinks the water, and everybody stands back. Stand back, and either we get a, okay, she's innocent, or we get a, thar she blows. Right? Thar she blows. And that's how the Saita process ends in one of two ways. And what we want to focus on tonight is how the Torah phrases this. It's interesting how the Torah presents this. It's presented in the format of 
as, as we mentioned just now, how it begins in the, the husband, how he deals with his wife, how he interacts with his wife, and how he communicates with his wife. It, it says that, um, how does the whole site to process work? It begins with a, a dialogue, or not even a dialogue, a, a, a warning from the husband to the wife. He warns her against seclusion with a certain individual, and we see what, what happens. She, she isolates herself, secludes herself with him, then, then the process begins. The way the Torah describes that is in the terms of a husband who has a ruach kina. A ruach kina. What's a ruach kina? An heir of kina. Now, kina, generally we translate as jealousy. Jealousy. Vavarlach ruach kina. The kina is ishtai. He is jealous and is therefore kine as Ishtai now uses a verb vihidnitma and perhaps she has been unfaithful and she's indeed impure. The alternative is says the Torah, a, a a spirit of jealousy shall pass over him, and he will be mekane as Ishtai, he will do something to his wife, that's the warning. And perhaps she's really innocent. We don't know. The whole point of the site is we don't know. Only it's only known in Shemayim. We don't know. And that's why they have to bring to the Vesemikdash. So Kino, as Yosef Ari is correctly pointing out, generally translated as, as being jealous. There's a few problems with this. The one problem is that um, it's used as a verb here also. Ruach Kino, a spirit of jealousy. Vikine is Ishtai. And he applies this to his wife. So what's he doing in applying this to his wife? He's jealousizing his wife. He's telling her that he's jealous. That, that's what he's doing. It's a funny way of, of putting that, funny way of phrasing that. If uh, we're talking about expressing this jealousy, it should say, um, he tells her that he's jealous. This word kina somehow suddenly becomes a verb. It becomes, you know, verbified over here. We want to verbify the word verb. He jealousizes his wife. What's that supposed to mean? That's already one indicator that maybe kina doesn't mean jealousy. Kina maybe perhaps doesn't mean jealousy. Put this few Maybe it doesn't mean jealousy. And, and another an, another funny, you know, kind of um, description in the Pasuk, usage in the Pasuk, which also would maybe indicate that here it doesn't really mean jealous or jealousy, is um, a little bit further. The Torah says like this. The Torah says, um, the Pazik says, after he is jealous of his wife, but that, that part we make, you know, that we understand, this is a good start for the husband being jealous of his wife. It says further, he brings his wife to the kain, he brings her meal offering, as we said, the Saita brings a special mincha called the mincha Saita. Don't pour oil on, as we said, don't pour the frankincense. Ki minchas Kinois who? It's a, a offering of kinois. Kinois is plural of kinna. Now again, if we're translating kin as jealousy, we're saying it's a jealousy offering. An offering of jealousy. And, okay, this is not so crazy because again, he's jealous of his wife and he has to bring her to the base of she has to go through the whole process and, and the procedure. And, uh, so maybe, yeah, he's a jealous husband has to bring a jealous offering. An offering of jealousy. The problems are twofold. A, she brings it. She brings this karba, not him. She is the one that brings it. It says later that the kain 
puts the carbon on her hands. She's the one that presents it to the base amikdash. She's the one that presents it to the to the to the to the kayan. So it, it, this is this is uh, viewed and 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 um, it functions as her carbon, not his carbon. Even though perhaps he's the one that pays for it, but it's she's the one who's the bilum of the carbon. She's the one that that's uh, that's what emerges from the gemara when the gemara discusses this. She is the owner of the carbon, so to speak. It's her carbon. So it would be funny, therefore, to describe this as a um, carbon of jealousy. He's the one that's jealous. Why is it her minchas kanois? Why are we calling it a jealousy offering? It should be the wayward wife offering. It should be the saita offering. Why is it called the minchas kanois? That's all, what's also funny is the plural over here. Minchas kanois. doesn't say minchas kinois. An offering of jealousy, but rather an offer of jealousies. Plural. Sounds like there's two different jealousies going on over here. Kinois is plural. So, what's the plural? We know the jealousy of the husband, that's jealousy number one. What's the other jealousy? Who else is jealous? Very good. So you have to, uh, Yosef is on the ball. Says Rashi. Minchas kinois. Rashi says, There are two jealousies that are being aroused against her. Again, if we translate the word kin as jealousy... Two jealousies are raised against her. Kinnas ha-malkam, v'kinnas ha-bal. The jealousy, again, I'm, I'm translating it so far with our conventional tra- translation that we're using kinnas as translation, but we're pointing at uh, increasing proofs over here that are, or, or problems with that translation. But again, we're working with that translation. Rashi says there's a double jealousy going on over here. Jealousy of the husband, which is like a... Oh, no. And jealousy of the rebindish of them. Two people are, are, are jealous. Her husband's jealous and Hashem is jealous. We're talking about the, the, the wife who's been accused of being unfaithful. That's in this week's parsha. Infidelitis. In, 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 the, the, the process in the base of Mikdash of establishing her guilt or her innocence. So here's the problem. If kinna means jealousy, so we get it to the husband, he's a human being, he's jealous of his wife. Um, what does it mean that Hashem is jealous? Is she not Hashem's wife? What's Hashem jealous of? She wasn't cheating on Hashem. It's the husband's position to be jealous. What does it mean altogether that Hashem is jealous? Hashem is jealous of uh, her spending time with someone else. Again, that's, that's an act to betrayal to her husband, not to the Rebbein Shalalem. And let's ask another question. And this is the, the doozy of all the questions over here. We have to remember that she may be guilty, yes, but she may be innocent. And the Torah itself said that. He's jealous of his wife and maybe she's really innocent, uh, she's guilty, or he, he's jealous and maybe she's really innocent. There's a possibility that she's innocent. We don't know, but who does know? Hashem knows. So the Rebbeinu Shalalem knows if, what the score is if she's jealous, if she's guilty, if she's innocent. How can we unequivocally call this offering a jealousy offering and say Hashem is jealous when Hashem knows full well if she's innocent or if she's guilty. If she's guilty, okay, Hashem could maybe be jealous. Even that, that was our first question, our earlier question. It wasn't mean that Hashem is jealous. The betrayal was to God, was to her husband, not to God. But even if we'll, we'll, we'll presuppose that there's, there is room somehow to understand that God could be jealous of this woman, the same way the husband is, it should be, though, a, 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 a indeterminate jealousy. How can you say unequivocally, Minchas Kanois, for sure the husband is jealous that we get, but for sure God is also jealous. God knows if she's innocent or if she's guilty. God knows if she was falsely accused. God knows if she is really, if she's gonna, the she blows or the she goes, right? 
Is she going to blow or is she going to go? Is she going to go home or is she going to blow up? HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows right now if she's innocent or guilty. Golib Yodua. Lifnei Chisei Chivaydecha. It's full well, it's known and fully known and revealed and open to HaKadosh Baruch Hu the status of this woman. So how can the Torah call it Minchas Kena'ois? Which makes it sound like unequivocally HaKadosh Baruch Hu's jealous. And we're using that final question as our um, point to bring us into um, back to the, our, our opening Pasuk. The fact that there's two different possibilities should also make it seem a little strange that that um, this um, the fact that Torah says he's jealous. He does an act of kinoi and she's maybe guilty or he does an act of kinoi and she's innocent. It sounds like it sounds like we treat her equally <coughs> whether she's guilty or whether she's innocent and sort of even us looking at the narrative from a, a from a uh, um, a removed perspective let's say from a from an objective perspective over here we're somehow treating her the same way not just Akash but us the narrative over here is saying he's Mekan his wife he's jealousizing his wife and if she's if perhaps she's guilty he's jealousizing his wife perhaps she's innocent again it's strange that we're addressing her the same way and we're talking about her the same way we're talking to her the same way whether she's innocent or whether she's guilty and Akash Baruch himself also is recalling this a minchas kenois, a mincha of kina, double kina. The second kina is Hashem's kina, even though Hashem knows perhaps she's innocent. Why should Hashem have kina? So these are the questions that have to be understood over here and addressed. And again, in summary, what comes out is we're, 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 we're challenging the very, the basic concept and the very, the, 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 the conventional translation of the word kina meaning jealousy. It means jealousy. <clears throat> how can it be used as a verb? Um, how can God be jealous of this woman? What's the double jealousy? And especially, why, why are we describing it the same way, whether she's in the guilty position or the, or the innocent position? And what takes the cake is, how can the Rebbeinu Shalom have kinah if Hashem knows right now, even before she drinks, of what her real status is. It should say, if she's really guilty, then Hashem has kinah. It doesn't say that. It says, it's minchas kinois, Hashem has kinah either way. All these questions seem to point to one irrevocable conclusion over here, which is, <clears throat> kinah can't be translated as jealousy. Kinah does not mean jealousy. Kinah must not mean jealousy. It must mean something else. And we know that even in English, sometimes the word kinah gets translated a little bit differently. And we see that it's used in Tanakh, in in a in a in a, in, a, in, a, in a type of a, a usage and presentation that seems to mean something a little bit different than jealous. Jealous is, you know, what's happening over there should really be happening over here. We use that always in a negative sense. Like, you know, I see my friend has a bigger house than I do, or they just a different house than I do, a nicer car than I have, or a different car than I have. So I want what he has. That's jealousy. I see, chas Shalom, a person sees his wife schmoozing with someone else, another man, so that's jealousy because that relationship that's supposed to be with me. That's jealousy. What's happening over there is supposed to be over here. So, bad jealousy, because yeah, when I, your car is supposed to be my car, your house is supposed to be my house, your job is supposed to be my job, etc. Kinna here doesn't mean jealousy. <clears throat> we find that this term kinna 
A, as we're pointing out, is being used as a verb over here. It becomes verbified in, in, in the parasha. And we find, coming up towards the end of Sefer Bamidbar, towards the end of Book of Numbers, the Book of Numbers, we have famously an incident where someone is described as a as, as someone who is a kanoi ledvar Hashem, someone kanoi is kinesi, kinasi, someone, a hero. There was someone who saved the day, who was a big hero, who the Torah describes as someone who possessed kinna, kinna, pinchas, bingo, bingo. Once again, Yisvari is on the on the mark tonight, and he's exactly right. Pinchas is described. As someone who was what? The Kanois Kinosi. He ha- he expressed kinna on behalf of God, and not only had he expressed expressed God expressed God's own kinna. When he gets up and he he sees this uh, act, this this uh, atrocious act of, of that's being that's being committed um, in, in public knowledge to the public knowledge where where um, a Nasi, one of the one of the princes of Klal Yisrael. Zimri ben Saldo takes a, a non-Jewish woman, has relations with her. Pinchas gets up, grabs the spear, and kills both of them. Right? That's coming up in a few weeks. So that staved off, that spared Klaisel from certain destruction. And Pinchas is described as someone who had kinna, and he had God's kinna. That makes it clear that kinna, although sometimes it can be translated as jealousy, and sometimes it should be translated as jealousy, not always to be translated as jealousy. Pinchas certainly wasn't, wasn't jealous of anyone. And the Torah is saying he's acting on God's behalf. Kinna has to have another meaning as well. And so Yesavari mentioned the word vengeance just now. Vengeance is sometimes used to describe what was going on over there with with with, with Pinchas. And vengeance means to you know get what is someone to to uh, even the score, even the score. Now that's a very harsh word, very very uh, um, almost. Almost a barbaric word. We would, you know, we, we would, it strikes us as vengeance. Means this guy, you know, really should be saying, "It's okay, don't worry about it." He really should be mavater, but you know, he's not going to let go, and he's going to go in and avenge himself. He's going to settle the score. He's going to settle the score. Um, if we apply that to Pinchas, which perhaps we could. We definitely can't bring that back to the Saita. There's no settling of the score that's going on over here. There's a person who just has suspicions. There's a person who just has doubts. And he warns his wife, you know, uh, uh, regard because of those doubts. Don't seclude yourself, that person, because I have my doubts and suspicions. And he might be right, he might be wrong. Kin, although by Pinchas, perhaps it could be translated as vengeance, avenging, avenging God's vengeance. It's again, it's, it's a very powerful word. It's a very intense, harsh word, you know. But But if we would try to use it over there, which could be used over there perhaps, it definitely would not be so easy to bring that back to the realm of the Saito. The Saito, there's no vengeance going on over here. He's not avenging anything. He doesn't even know what happened. And she may be totally innocent. She may go home. She may be able to go home totally innocent without blowing up. So the kin over here certainly can't mean vengeance. So we're back to the drawing board. We're saying kin over here doesn't seem to mean jealousy. Kin doesn't seem to mean vengeance, because it's nothing to avenge yet. He doesn't know what happened. She might be completely innocent. So what is this kinna? This husband who has suspicions. This husband who gives his wife a warning. And, it, and she may be innocent, she may be guilty. And he shares this kinna with God himself. Hashem has this kinna. What is the kinna over here in Saita? So we have to take a step back, Rabbi Saita. There is one very powerful, important idea that lies at the heart of kinna over here. And in fact, is what's going on in the kinna of Pinchas. Pinchas' kinna is really the same kinna. It's not a kinna of vengeance. 
It's the same kinah that the husband has over here. And it's the same kinah that we find elsewhere in the Torah. Who was Pinchas, Rabbi? So Pinchas is equated. Pinchas was known as something else once we get into Navi. When you get into the Book of Kings, Pinchas takes on a different name. Elio Hanavi. Excellent. Elio Hanavi. Everyone know the song? Yeah. Okay. Pinchas zu Eliyahu. Pinchas becomes Elio Hanavi. And Eliyahu, one of Chazal's rayas, one of the proofs that Eliyahu, Elijah the prophet, and Pinchas are one of the same, is the Torah describes Elijah the prophet. Eliyahu Hanavi is described in the same terms as, as Pinchas. Pinchas. Eliyahu tells God, I, I, I have kinah on your behalf. I have kinah. I have kinah. So what kinah is, is the same kinah that's going on by the husband, the same kinah that's going on with Pinchas, the same kinah that Eliyahu has when he's on the war path. Um, and he has, he has, he's, he's, he's doing things over there, which uh, ultimately, which ultimately um, demand his summons back up to Shemaim. And the same kinah that God has together with the husband, this week's parasha, when it comes to the wayward wife, the drifting wife. And that kinah really is best translated in one English word. And what lies at the core, in the heart of the soita and of kinah and of everything we mentioned is the word intolerance. Kinnah is really intolerance. Intolerance. Intolerance, which is the opposite of tolerance. Intolerance, which means not being able to sit, sit by and, 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 and just accept something. Not being sufreed, not being content, not being able to just be exposed to something offensive. Be aware of something wrong. And be cognizant of something that is outside Kedusha, outside what God wants, and be able to be just happy and sit back and be content and not let it bother us. That's a meter that's called intolerance, and that's what kinah really is. Kinah is the meter. This is for you. I saved it for you. Kinah is the meter of intolerance. Intolerance. And at first glance, everybody said, when we hear intolerance, well, that's crazy. Intolerance. Aren't we supposed to be tolerant people? Aren't we supposed to be a, a, a people that are that are that are an understanding people, an accepting people, a generous people, a patient people? Intolerance is a Jewish trait. How does intolerance work? If you're a Jew, how can you be intolerant of anything? We have to be loving. We have to have loving kindness. We have to have kindness in that loving kindness and loving in that loving kindness. Where is, where is it coming from that a yid has intolerance? But that's what goes on at the heart of Meseches, uh, of, of, of the Parsh of Saita, and, and which has a whole Mesechta based on, 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 on uh, that concept. There, isn't a time, there is a time and a place for a Jew to be intolerant. There is a time and a place for a Jew to say, that bothers me, that bothers me so, so much, I can't just sit back and see that and let that happen. I have to do something about it. And that's why the husband is able to be described as a kinah, someone who has a ruach kinah, someone who has the spirit of kinah, whether his wife is guilty or innocent, as we asked earlier, we pointed out earlier, and he's able to be kinah, have that be makana his wife, whether she's innocent or guilty, and why kinah can become a verb. What's he doing essentially? He's saying, "What I, I see something going on over here, and it's intolerable. It's intolerable. I, but maybe she's innocent. Maybe she's innocent. He doesn't know. 
if she is faithful or unfaithful, if she's been fidelitous or infidelitous, he doesn't know. How can he have that intolerance either way? The Terry says, you know, why, well, what's going on? This is a, a wife who has been secluding herself with another man. And that's what he tells you. you got to stop doing this. This is intolerable. And she doesn't listen. She does it again. And then he says, okay, now it's time to go to the base on Mikdash. Meaning, she may be innocent of being unfaithful, but she's still exhibiting behaviorisms that are intolerable. This is not how a married Jewish woman acts. You don't go hang out with someone who's not your husband. You don't schmooze with someone who's, who you're not married to. And the husband gets up and he says, this is intolerable. This is wrong. This is outside of, 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 of how Jewish people act. That's the Ruach Kinnah. Ruach Kinnah means he can't tolerate it. He has to do something about it. He acts. And how does he act? He tells his wife. It's intolerable. Maybe she's tak innocent, as the Pasuk says. Maybe she's really innocent, but the Kinnah is never, nevertheless justified. The Kinnah is nevertheless deserved. And the Kinnah, the intolerance, is nevertheless 100% accurate and correct. Because he's saying, this is a situation that can't be tolerated. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can't, do, you can't hang out with this person. You're not married to him. You're, you're married to me. You can't seclude yourself. You can't have yuchud with this person. Either way, the kin is deserved. And now we understand what it means when Hashem has kinah. The Pazik says, Minchas kinosu. This offering that they bring is called the kinah offering. And it's pluralized. There's a double kinah. The husband's kinah and Hashem's kinah. So we said, if kinah is jealous, jealousy, how can the husband, how can, the, how can God have jealousy? She's not married to God. Hey, God knows if she's innocent or guilty. What does it mean that God has jealousy? The answer is it's not jealousy. Kinnah doesn't mean jealousy. Kinnah means kinnah is intolerance. And Hashem knows right now whether she's been faithful or unfaithful. Al-Kadosh Baruch Hu knows already what's going to happen to her when she gets to face if she's going to blow up or not blow up. But even if she's innocent, there's still intolerance because Al-Kadosh Baruch Hu is side by side with her husband having intolerance for this woman that I, you know, expect better of Klaiso. That's what Al-Kadosh Baruch Hu is saying. I expect better, you guys. I expect better of you, Mrs. Yankel. I expect better of you, better behavior of you. It is a minchas kenos. There is a double kenos because the Rebbeinu Shalom is in the same position as a husband in saying that this is intolerable. We, we can't have this. We can't have this. And maybe she's really innocent. And if she is, Hashem knows that right now. But Hashem is saying, you can't do these things. You can't do, you can't do what you're doing. This is not how we act in Klai and this is the kid of Pinchas. We said Pinchas is coming up in a few weeks. Kanois Kinasi. Pinchas said, this is intolerable. He got up and he acted. He got up and he acted. He took the spear and he killed Cosby and Zimri. Why? Because he couldn't tolerate. This is not Jewish behavior. The degree that Pinchas was so intolerant, had such kinah intolerance, that he was, a, he, he, he was moved to an action that no one else was moved to because of how much he couldn't tolerate it. And that's El Yanavi as well. I can't tolerate what Klaizo is doing. I, I just can't do this. It's so wrong. And I see so clearly how wrong this is. I have to act. That's the kiddo. And the Gemara tells us this is admirable. We admire the husband for this. And we look at him as a polar opposite to this woman. This woman has a Ruach um, Toma. She's described as having a Ruach Toma. Ruach Shtos. She's been possessed by a, a, a spirit of... of, of um, uh, of impurity, of contamination. The husband has a spirit of purity. That's where the kid is coming from, that he senses the values of Klai Yisrael. He feels and appreciates what Klai Yisrael is all about, what we stand for, who we're supposed to be. And when he sees that his wife is out of line with that, he cannot tolerate that. That's the kid. That's the kid that he has over here. So now, 
we've established, you know, Baruch Hashem, with some solidity over here, what kinna means. And that kinna really, intolerance, it means intolerance, and that's what's lying, what lies at the heart of, um, of, uh, of the whole episode of the Saita. And we're asking ourselves, perhaps, so what's the takeaway for us? So we see that, you know, intolerance... You know, we may be trained to think that intolerance is a bad thing. No, we have to tolerate everyone. Not just tolerate, appreciate everyone. And not just appreciate everyone. We have to value and respect everyone, their beliefs, their opinions, their lifestyles. The lesson of the site is no, no. A Jew has to be bothered. We see things, lifestyles, aberrant lifestyles, and, and, and values out there that are against Jewish values. These things have to bother us. And they have to bother us on two levels. They have to bother us in terms of what's going out there in the world. Even if we're not getting ready, we're not going to be that Pinchas. We're not going to grab spears. And if we are, we're probably going to go to jail. Don't grab the spear, Rabbi Yisai. Don't go start chasing down people that have aberrant, deviant lifestyles. You're going to get sent to jail. You can't do that. But when we see values that are they're championed, that are put on a pedestal, are promoted, you know, that go so against everything the Torah stands for, that's to bother us. We have to, I, I can't tolerate it. We, we have to, it has to keep us up at night. That's to have us gnashing our teeth. How can you have such tumma, ruach tumma in the world, where things can be promoted and, 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 and put on a pedestal when it is so opposite of everything the Torah is all about? Hashem's values has to really bother us. We have to have that kind of, we have to be intolerant. Even if we're not going to act on it, but we have to want to act. Okay? We have to feel something that bothers us. We have to work on being bothered. It's good to be bothered by things. But on a more direct level, bring the lesson of Saita back to the home front, Rabbi Saita. Here's where we have to have a very tricky balance because we know Eliyahu Navi, who was Pinchas, also had intolerance. And he's actually told that he went a little too far. That's why he had got to be summoned back up to Shemaim because he was intolerant of Klai Yisrael's waywardness, Klai Yisrael's sinning in the times of the kings. And he went too far in his intolerance we can't go too far. We have to have that bounce, but the bounce has to begin on the home front. And the same way, this the husband in this parsha saw his wife out of line with basic Jewish values and basic Jewish behavior, and he said, "I got to do something about it. You can't do that. A husband and a father has to be in his house, on top of the Jewish values and the sensitivity in his house. And and we got to get in touch with this rabbi site. Person sees, you know, our wives ask us all the time, "How do I look in this? How do I look in this?" If it doesn't look so, so good, if it's not the right way to walk out on the street, not how a Jewish woman walks out, you have to tell your wife something. Now, with balance, because if you address your wife with that harshness, with that intolerance, yeah, you know, you're going to get called back up to Shemaim, just like Eliyahu Navi did, right? You have to have balance. But if it, but if we know that it's bothersome, we have to say something. Of course, in a loving, sensitive way. But your person sees his, his, his wife, she asks him for his opinion. Women don't always pick up on these things, but men, we, we know right away, if this is beseder or not beseder, acceptable or not acceptable, our daughters as well. Whether they ask us for our advice or not, they're never going to ask us for fashion advice, our daughters. They're never going to ask us for our opinions. But a person has to have, though, that sensitivity to bona fide Jewish values. Is this the way? You didn't walk out, you know, and get the guys with love, with kindness. But that is a person's responsibility as the husband in this week's parasha, the ruach kino, to be in touch with what can be tolerated, what can never be tolerated, that's our duty and responsibility. Is this in line with Jewish values? Is the right way to present an, uh, yourselves on the street to appear? To appear? Is this how, how, how you didn't go at? Now, again, I'm saying this with a grain of salt because the first step is it has to bother us, but the second step is to act on that intolerance properly. 
properly, don't get recalled, don't get summoned back to Shemayim. Has to be presented with love and with affection and with kindness. And if you don't know how to do it, speak it out with your Rav. Speak it out with your Rabbi to make sure you do it the right way. It's got to be done the right way. And when it's done the right way, we have that Ruach Kinnah. We have that spirit of intolerance. And it would do us all a good amount of growth. We, we would do ourselves a favor, Rabbi Yisai. Take one lesson away from the sixth parish work a little bit more on being intolerant. Letting things bother us. Letting things bother us. Okay, so it looks like this week we'll just... We're going to discuss the, the site. I thought maybe we'd also have time to talk about the Nazir. That'll be next year. We'll talk about the Nazir. Um, thank you all for joining. Thank you. And have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbat.